Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and insights. Here's the thing about emotions. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. You've heard it from organization experts and others. If you want to get things done, you need to keep to-do lists. If all the things you need or want to accomplish keep you up at night, you might think about spending five or ten minutes before bed writing down your list for the following day. Some people prefer to start their day by creating a list. Choose whichever works best for you. To learn more about time management and ADHD, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, please introduce our guest. Jeff, our guest tonight is one of your favorites, Dr. Roberto Olivardia. Dr. Olivardia is a lecturer of psychology at Harvard Medical School. He maintains a private psychotherapy practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, where he specializes in the treatment of ADHD, as well as body dysmorphic disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. He also specializes in the treatment of eating disorders in boys and men. He is co-author of the book, The Adonis Complex, that details the various manifestations of body image problems in men. He's given many presentations at conferences around the country, including the annual CHAD conferences. He sits on the professional advisory boards of CHAD and ADDA, as well as the scientific advisory board of Attitude, and he is a featured expert for Understood. Dr. Olivardi, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Jeff, as always. You know, for the, our, our, our listeners out there, Dr. Olivardi is one of my favorite guests not only is he a great guy and funny, but he's really good at taking complicated things and boiling it down into real simple terms. I remember, Roberto, years ago I interviewed you um, for Attention Talk video, and I, I just caught you off guard. I said, hey, what, what, what is sleep? And I'll never forget it. You said it's like defrag from the brain. It came so mm-hmm. quickly, and all of a sudden it was such a great metaphor about you know taking all that stuff from the day and reorganize it back in your head because when you haven't had any sleep, there's like a fog, and I'm like – 
I don't know if it's technically right, but it really resonated with me. And so, our, everybody, our topic tonight is ADHD and insights about emotion. And kind of here's the thing. And I want to begin this. Uh, I heard Dr. Olivardia do a TED talk for Attention Deficit Disorder Association. I want to get to that in a second. But when I people come in with me and I'm working with them early on, I try to help them understand ADHD and executive function impairment. One largely is self-regulation, and two things you have to regulate. One's attention, and one is an emotion. Even though it's not a part of the diagnostic criteria, I get a lot of that from Dr. Russell Barkley, and those who listen know I'm a big fan of that. Anyway, to try to help people detach from it, I, I, I talk to them and say, you know, what is an emotion? And few can actually define it, but I say think of it as a reflexive reaction. And I say reflex, like if you trip and fall, your hands go out immediately, or if you stick your, something down your throat, you gag. You can't not do it unless you're inhibiting and I say, you know, if you think of an emotion, it is the man physical manifestation of a feeling. So when you feel, there's actually emotion, but actually re realize it's reflexive. And if I can put in that context, help people begin to observe things and just begin to realize that an emotion is so reflexive, sometimes you don't even know that it's happening. So before we kind of go on, I'm just teeing this up and kind of catching you off guard. Dr. Olivardi, what are your thoughts or how do you look at an emotion just from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I see emotions as, you know, first and foremost, these more biological and physiological mechanisms that are really meant to um, have us adapt, respond, um, and interpret our environment. And, of course, we have certain emotions that, I mean, if we think about even in a very primitive way, you know, that emotion of, of fear, for example, is very adaptive because we should be fearful when we're on the edge of a cliff because if we didn't have that emotion, we could just walk off the cliff. And then, you know, if our ancestors did that, we wouldn't be talking right now um, yep. as a species. So our, our emotions are meant to have us to basically keep us surviving um, yep. and to interpret things in, in the world and to make sense of things. Now, having said that, so yes, there are these automatic responses, and that's why anytime when people judge an emotion, to me, it's like, well, how, how can you judge that? Like, it's almost like if somebody says boo and you get, like, you know, a little scared – how can you judge that? Like, that's just a sort of automatic thing. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that all of our emotions are in, uh, reflective of what's actually happening. They're reflective sometimes of what's actually happening, and sometimes they're reflective of our perception of what's happening. So sometimes, you know, there's a difference if there's an intruder in our house and we see someone in the house that we don't expect that is in fact a danger and a threat versus if we walk into a room and it's people yell surprise because it's a surprise birthday party, we might initially have the same physiological response, but then we have our good old frontal lobe, which starts to interpret and make sense of the other data and then say, oh, this is not a threat. These are my friends and family wishing me a happy birthday. And then we soothe from that emotion. We distract away from the emotion. It doesn't stick with us in the same way. And so that, that's where what we do with our emotions is sort of the work. But anytime someone's like, oh, I wish I just didn't feel sensitive about this, and especially for ADHD folks where we are kind of wired to be more emotionally sensitive in ways, I tell people, like, you can't – it's almost like judging yourself for liking the taste of pepper. Like, you just <laughs> like it or you don't, you know? Yep. Like, it's just – to me, it's almost um, – you know, to, to judge oneself. Now, what we do about that feeling, like if you are someone, let's say, that 
feels, um, you know, very hurt, you know, and if you're rejected, for example, or if somebody doesn't like you, um, you can't help that you feel that way. But we don't want that feeling to then spill into something that becomes larger than that moment. So, for example, oh, this one person doesn't like me, therefore no one likes me, therefore I'm unlovable. Those are not accurate. Those are not accurate statements. Re-say what you said in a little bit different way because I think a good point is our our emotions are actually a survival mechanism. And so years ago I was backpacking with a bunch of Boy Scouts on the Appalachian Trail, and we saw a copperhead about 15 feet away. Copperhead, mm. venomous snake, it was a safe distance. And, hey, that was kind of cool, right? Right. But the next morning, I'm walking on the trail, and all of a sudden, I look down. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, wait a second. That's not a snake. It's a stick that looked like a snake. <laughs> and, yeah. and and I'm saying this because it was a reflexive reaction, a survival mechanism. Because if it was sure. a snake, I would have been in peril and maybe not had enough time to process it. But in that moment, I had to engage my my thinking brain. Because my automatic brain had kind of taken over, and I had to override it and actually look at the data that was there and surmise, hey, I'm not really in peril. It's just a stick. And we'll talk about this a little bit later because the AD brain, when you're in that emotion, it goes there quickly. And as you had said, you know, you, you assess the situation, but sometimes people with ADHD, they don't actually go through the thinking process of such the assess the situation. They just go to the conclusion. And we'll mm-hmm. talk a lot about this, but therein lies the problem because I tell people your feelings often deceive you. And one of the ways I say is think about your friends. Have you ever seen somebody like, like question their feelings and usually they don't? I say, well, if they're not questioning their feelings, you're probably not questioning yours. So with all that said, again, it's a survival mechanism, but I think the real trick is actually recognize them and overriding them at, at the right time. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's and it's right going through the process and making sense of the data of it because especially let's say in interpersonal relationships that you can have you could be having let's say a discussion or argument you know with a friend or a significant other and you can feel um, hurt or you could feel frustrated, but that's different than if we were to say oh you you know, meant to hurt me because I'm feeling hurt. Therefore you were being aggressive. Now, sometimes that's true. Sometimes Mm -hmm. someone is being aggressive and we feel hurt by that, or we feel angry at that, but sometimes we can feel angry and the person had no intention of making us feel that way, or they didn't mean to make us feel that way. It's just that they might not have realized how they communicated something, for example, how it might've touched sort of a button in us. And I always talk to patients about knowing, you know, what are our buttons? You know, what are, we all have buttons. Like what are the the buttons that kind of get triggered in some ways? Like, you know, mine, for example, is, you know, growing up, um, I grew up outside of Boston and the town I grew up in, (laughs) I would say the, the culture of the town was very much one of like, don't think you can pull one over on me. That was like a very big cult, cultural attitude. And, and, and I loved, I mean, I loved my, where I grew up. I grew up in a town called Somerville, Massachusetts. And, and that was definitely a philosophy, like the sense like, don't, like, you think I'm stupid? Like, don't think you can pull one over on me. So that's like a button. Like, if I ever feel that someone's trying, like, that's why I've always had, like, anytime I bought a car, for example, like car salesman, like, I am, I'm immediately feeling like a bit aggressive when I go on a, 
car lot, you know, because mm-hmm. when, when and if someone thinks they're going to like manipulate me or be like swarmy, you know, like all of that, I'm like, oh, please. Like I just get very, but I have to realize like, okay, let me understand that this is sort of, you know, my thing. And, and sometimes people can be manipulated, but sometimes people aren't. And I might just be sensitive to this idea that somebody could be. Um, so I think we all have to recognize, like, what is our button? Now, sometimes people's buttons, let's say, as we know, in the ADHD community, a lot is talked about, like, rejection sensitivity, for example. And some people have had a history about of being rejected, of being, um, you know, not validated, um, sometimes because of ADHD symptoms. And so it's understandable that you might be more sensitive to that because of a history, you know, of that. But that's important to know because sometimes when we have those buttons we run the risk of seeing something you know in some ways or reacting to something that's not actually happening um, in that way and it doesn't make us crazy it just means that yep. we're it's sort of like we have an extra sensitive an extra radar hyper radar for things like that so I, I had heard this a while ago that really helped me kind of put things in context imagine that you're on vacation in Africa and um, you're, you're going along and, you know, unknowingly, all of a sudden a lion jumps out of a bush and starts to chase you. And you go to fight, fight, or freeze. You're in peril at this point in time. And if you were able to survive that, you might sit there and kind of look, like look at a bush because there was a danger situation. And hence the danger. Like I, I feel danger when I'm there because you're associating the bush with, the, with that particular incident. So mm-hmm. you're, you're on high alert. This is a survival mechanism. But now you're home back in the United States and you see a bush. It's, well, I don't think a lion's going to jump out of you at the bush, but a lot of times you still feel this anxiety and stuff of danger and the ability to pause and actually make an observation mm-hmm. saying this is not the same as what it was over there or this is not actually a snake, which is incredibly difficult because when you're in an emotional state and you have that, you have to – number one, you have to recognize it. Number two, you have to pause. Number three, you have to engage your thinking brain. And then you've got to think, which is effortful, which is why this is really mm-hmm. so difficult to begin with. And so a lot of times I say that we're generalizing. There's an old saying, an overreaction is often an old reaction. Again, I had this in the past. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's the same thing now, but you're still acting that way. That's it's kind of more – that's yeah. a what you're saying, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's sort of, I and mean, we do get conditioned. And again, that's part of a survival mechanism that yep. um, in a way, our brain, in order to survive, would rather believe that there's danger, even if there isn't, than the opposite. If we don't believe that there's danger and there is danger, we die. <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> so we, we kind of have to lean, you know, into that. But now, you know, when we think about the ADHD experience, even with the analogy you, you made that um, as opposed to a lion, let's say, jumping out of a bush, let's imagine, you know, the kid with ADHD who might have been under di- undiagnosed as a kid who goes to school every day um, and feels like they're just not able to execute and they're failing and they're told that they're not trying hard enough that there's a conditioning that happens not just now around school but can generalize for when that child grows up and goes into the job you know first day on the job and might have this sense of themselves as already 
not uh, being good enough and that other people are probably thinking that they're not working well enough and that they're lazy and like all of these sort of feelings. And a lot of the work I do with patients is making sure that we're disconnecting kind of the feeling from a narrative that might not be, that at one time may have been accurate. I mean, sometimes kids with ADHD are told by teachers or parents or people like you're not trying hard enough or you're Mm -hmm. not smart enough or all of those things. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they internalize that. But even if that was the case, that doesn't, we want to make sure it doesn't generalize into these other situations and responses. And and we know from research and um, a lot of, you know, Russell Barkley's um, prolific research that as ADHD individuals, we have a harder time regulating emotions. We have a harder time soothing ourselves when we're activated um, from, you know, an emotion, any emotion. I mean, it could even be like if we're euphoric. I mean, sometimes people with ADHD can look manic, um, you know, when they're happy because it's just like this, you know, dopamine. But also if we're anxious, if we're angry, if we're sad, um, it can be harder to distract, in a sense, out of that yes. emotion because it's so um, encompassing in a way. And feelings are not facts, you know, and that's important yes. to know, too, that they're not facts, that um, sometimes, again, they are aligned with what's happening, but sometimes it's not. It's, it's feelings are connecting with our thoughts and our experiences and past experiences and all of these other things that, like you were saying, need us to sort of distill through. Yes. Tell you what, let's go to break. When we come back, I want to bring a, really what sparked this, a little bit of what you were talking about in your TED Talk a while, and then I want to get into because when you start talking about managing emotions and we're talking through this, we can bring it together for people really that really gain and understand why it's so difficult. So our secret word tonight is about. Again, secret word's about, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Roberto Olivardi, one of my favorite guests because he's so articulate. We're talking a little bit. Here's the thing about emotions and giving you a little bit of insights about it. We talked a little before about it to kind of get a, a, a general uh, understanding of what an emotion is and how it works. And we're going we're gonna to come back to that a little bit. But what I want to go now is I was listening to uh, Dr. Olivardi give a TED Talk. For, uh, in October for ADHD Awareness Month. And Dr. Oliver, you, what you said just made so much sense to me, but you said basically kind of an emotions are actually stimulating and are, the ADHD really likes stimulation, so they're attracted to it. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that, you know, when we, uh, when we think about different 
emotional states and what uh, people would like to avoid. I mean, people don't like to feel sad and they don't want to feel angry. Um, but for an ADHD brain, I would say probably the most dysphoric um, feeling is boredom. You know, it's the feeling almost of like nothingness in, in that way. And an ADHD brain is always wired towards what is going to stimulate me. Now, everything that's pleasurable is stimulating, um, but not everything that's stimulating is pleasurable. And so um, anxiety is very stimulating, conflict, drama, danger. These are all very stimulating things, not necessarily pleasurable, but it's important um, for parents, for clinicians, for people with ADHD to know an ADHD brain would rather lean into those unpleasurable stimulating things than to feel like bored. Um, and so even when I think when I was younger, for example, and would, you know, engage in like just very like dangerous things that like now I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what, what was I thinking? But my line, I would always tell, you know, say to my friends, oh, it'll be a story. Like whatever happens, it'll just be a story. <laughs> and part of my thinking was this will at least be interesting. You know, it's like yes. the worst thing is to have a boring day. And yes. so even, and I find as an adult now that I have to regulate sort of like I can lean into anxiety very easily, um, especially as a parent. I mean, there's always something to worry about, right? Um, yes. And so I have to sort of regulate that now. And even, and, and I used to think this of my, of my mom, you know, when, um, you know, growing up, because she definitely had ADHD. And sometimes I'm like, are you, like, searching for something? Because she could get, like, really anxious about <laughs> things. And I'm like, are you searching for something to be anxious about? Like, just chill. Like, just relax. And um, and now, you know, I'm, I can see it in myself now, Jeff. Like, it's like I have to sort of – I know exactly and intimately now what that was about – and it's because it's just the idea of just busying my mind with something yes. is almost more stimulating than than the nothing. And so, of course, we want to busy it with things that are, you know, pleasurable. But that's really important because I also hear sometimes from patients um, who themselves have ADHD and they're like, you know, sometimes I wonder if I look for something to be angry about or I pick a yes. fight. Because it's just something, and and of course, for partners of someone like that, could think, what is wrong with this person? Like they're just like, uh, you know, they're just not a nice person. But when we understand it in that context, it's like, oh, okay, that's what's happening. Now, obviously, we don't want a person picking a fight as a way of getting stimulation, but to understand that that could be the mechanism of what's going on for that for that person, and so yeah. we need to sort of manage that. Absolutely. So I want to reinforce what you just said, because this is this makes so much sense, everybody. I was coaching a woman years ago and early, my early discovery call, I asked them kind of questions and I said, you know, it sounds like you're attracted to drama just based off of all the questions. And she was like, what? And like, yeah, all the TV shows that you watch have drama to it. And I was so like, she said, yeah, but I watch the Food Network. And yeah, but you watch Chop. That's drama. Anyway. Fast forward as we began to hypothesize when there was no drama in her life, she would create it. Now, let me go back to what he said. Years ago, I did a show on uh, boredom, and I had done some research on it, and boredom is the physical discomfort where you want, you're motivated to escape the plight. In other words, you're so uncomfortable, you're going to do something to get comfortable. I was given mm -hmm. a presentation on this topic 
Um, back in Detroit years, actually, I remember riding in a cab with you going to the the, present, the the conference, but this woman came running up to me when I was done explaining this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, are you okay? She said, oh, my God, that, that explains it. I said, what does it explain? Like, I got a phone call last week from school, and I had to go in, and when I got to the principal's office, my son was coming in, and they wheeled us into the principal's office, and the principal looked over and said, Johnny, what happened to class? He goes, I don't know. I was bored. And he goes, well, then mm-hmm. what happened? He goes, I don't know. They sent me here. And she said, you know what he did is he stood up and mooned the class. That's what he did because he was so <laughs> bored. And, and it's funny, but I talk to people a lot that when, when you are bored, you're, you're, in a, you're going to self-medicate with something. Or you're going to kind of create that drama, which go, kind of goes back to emotions are stimulating. And sometimes people are attracted to it. And that one person that was – if there was no drama, that person was going to create drama, and always when they were creating, it was usually bad drama, but they couldn't help themselves. And this is a big insight Absolutely. that I took from your thing that most people aren't aware of, and there's no way to really manage this without some level of self-awareness. I mean, if you have one, please share it with me, but at some level, you've got to know that's happening in order to manage it. Yeah, I mean, I can relate. I mean, I never mooned anyone in a class, but I I could relate to that idea of, you know, the sort of like the class clown of sometimes, you know, when I think back to school, I mean, which was so, you know, boring. I mean, I was either asleep, like if I was bored, or I would have to, I would just do kind of outrageous things like with, you know, making weird sounds or, and, or just something or my friends, I had very funny friends. And so they were very good at, trying to make me laugh and I was an easy target. I don't have a good poker face. I mean, I would <laughs> burst out laughing and, and spit out a drink if I have it in my mouth. I mean, like that sort of thing. But even with um, ne- quote unquote negative attention, the idea though that it's very stimulating. And when, when we talk about stimulation with ADHD, we're talking also that stimulation comes with a sense of grounding. Like you feel very present when you're stimulating, yes. stimulated, like you're in the moment. And another example of this, Jeff, too, is where, like, I, I, I basically, years ago, I was involved, luckily I was okay, but I was involved in a car accident where a man had run through a stop sign, he was texting and driving, ran through a stop sign, bashed into my car, pushed it into, like, an oncoming traffic. I mean, it was literally like something out of a movie. If there was a passenger in wow. my car, they would have been killed. I mean, the door, the passenger door almost touched me. It was really, really wow. bad. It totaled my car. So... I, now, this is, you hear this, right, and you think, oh, my gosh, this is – I so I swerved the car, luckily didn't get hit by the oncoming truck that was coming to me. I get in the parking lot. Of course, there's a scene. Police are called. I was so calm, and I was – you, you want to know the emotion I felt? I was so – I was annoyed. I wasn't mad. <laughs> I wasn't hyped up. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I, all I was thinking was, one – my, I'm running late for my 9 a.m. patient because I was on my way to work, and now mm-hmm. this guy's going to make me late. And number two, I have to go through all of the executive work now of filling out paperwork, <laughs> of finding another car. I mean, he literally, the guy came out, he's having a panic attack because he thought he killed somebody in the car. I mean, it was bad. Uh-huh. And I said, I said, no one else was in the car. And I'm talking like I'm talking to you right now. I said, no one else was in the car. You just told us my car. Oh, this is so inconvenient. So the police come, and I said, I'm calming the guy down who hit my car. And the police thought I was the hitter. And I said, no, 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 he hit my car. And he said, oh, you're comforting the man who hit you? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, because he didn't kill anyone. And I said, can you drive me to my office and just have my car towed? And the guy thought I was unusually calm. He's like, I think you should get assessed and 
you know, do you have whiplash? I'm like, no, no, I'm totally fine. But this is the thing, Jeff, is it was so stimulating that I felt so grounded, so in the moment. And you'll hear this from a lot of people with ADHD that sometimes do very well in crisis situations. Um, I have a friend who's an ER doctor who has ADHD, and ERs are like, even in med school, the ER rotation is like the dreaded rotation. And when he did that rotation, he's like, this is where I belong. (laughs) There was never a dull moment. People with bullets in them and knives, I mean, stuff that a lot of people would be like, whoa. But for him, it satisfies that sort of like groundedness. And that, to me, was a perfect example of there was nothing pleasurable about that incident. I mean, my car was totaled, but I was so in the moment. Like, I almost didn't have this sort of like – and it's not like it was delayed reaction that later I freaked out about it. I was just annoyed. And then when the police drove me to my office, I was like, cool, just tow the car, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was so casual about it. But it's because it was so heightened kind of everything – that can be confusing sometimes to people who don't understand, like, are you in denial of something? Are you, yes. is this going to come out later? Is this going to, um, you know, and, and yet, yep. if you want to see me annoyed, like really perturbed, <laughs> it's if like there's a glitch in my computer, for example, like something that yes. would normally not arouse a lot of response, that's when you're going to see me like, you know, I, like I, freaking I out. I yes. <laughs> so I tell you what, let's go to break, but before, we go. Um, I I was I've been coaching about two years, and I'm I'm coaching a client, and they're telling me they got shot with a bullet in the parking lot of a restaurant, right? And they're they're laying in blood, and the ALS guys are coming up, and they're like, I'm like I was calming them down immediately. I called my mentor coach at the time because I'm freaking out. I go, oh yeah, that happens all the time. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> quick story, but very similar to his. So let's go to break. When we come back. There's this big thing that I really want to get to, this, this weird thing about emotions and being self-soothing, so I'm going to kind of tip my hat on that. Our secret word tonight is about. Again, our secret word is about. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Olive Artie having a great conversation, sharing some insights about emotion. The first part, we were talking kind of what emotion is, the dynamics. The last section, talking about how emotions are stimulating, and many people with ADHD, they're drawn to them, particularly in moments of boredom, and sometimes they'll create stuff just to kind of give the, make excitement. 
So now I want to turn the corner a little bit because I, I heard you say this, and if, if I heard it right, I could not agree with, with it more, which will shock some people. Emotions are actually self-soothing. They actually mm-hmm. feel good sometimes. And from my perspective, and maybe I misinterpret you, but I find people will shame themselves at times or blame themselves. And it, to me, it's a little bit of an out. But sometimes there's some calm in that. Did I misunderstand what you said, or is that kind of part of what you said? Yeah, that definitely. I mean, even with emotions that we might typically see as, quote-unquote, negative emotions, like sadness, for example, that um, it could be very self-soothing to just be. And this isn't just true for people with ADHD. I mean, that if we're feeling something to kind of just give in, you know, to the feeling and be in it, um, you know, sometimes, like, for example, like if you're sad, it's listening to really sad, dark music and just Mm -hmm. as long as you're safe and um, you're not hurting yourself in the process and just allowing yourself to to cry or to just be in that dark place provided again that it doesn't get to a harmful place could be very soothing um, for someone mm-hmm. to just allow you know for that um, in, in that way and so there's an element you know of emotions too that is very because it's it it's physiological that it does connect to kind of us feeling present and in the moment. So even if we're feeling angry, for example, you know, a lot of times, I mean, with anger is a very stimulating emotion, but there's this sense of soothing that can sometimes happen just even being in our bodies, like just even Mm -hmm. being in the present moment because people with ADHD are often not in the present moment are often not, in their bodies. They're very disconnected. And so emotions really, there's a mindfulness attached to it. As long as, again, as long as the emotion is being regulated to a degree where it's not taking control and leading you down, you know, a dark place and, or, or doing harmful things or being harmful towards somebody else. But like, there's nothing wrong with, just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to lean into the sadness and just be with it and just immerse myself in it and feel it because I'm just, I'm, it's me, it's in the moment, it's present, and that alone can feel very self-soothing. 100% agree. And I really want to draw this out of people because if you think of that as self-soothing, you're going to go to that in some situations, and the question is, should you always be going to that at that particular time? I also find, and everybody, I'm not a therapist, but I'm an ADHD coach. If you've got a lot of emotion and trauma and stuff in the past, I really need you to be seeing a therapist. Not, I, that's not my job, but my job in general is just to really help come aware of themselves from an executive function perspective. And one of the things that I've noticed is that thinking for people with ADHD is impaired, and it's difficult. And so I'll have a lot of people sometimes where they are escaping the thinking part. Sometimes it's easier to go to shame or blame than it is to actually mm. do a hard thinking and make the adjustments. And, and I don't know if this is going to get the point, but I've actually had people before that I'm coaching, and I've, we've, I've worked with them, and you know, not to talk is not to think. And I'm asking them questions about something, and we're going into it, and I, I'm consciously asking them questions. I know that I'm going to try to facilitate the thinking, but we get into a difficult area, and the person will say, I need to think about that. And if I, if I know him well enough, after a while, I go, let me ask you a question. In the history of your life, whenever you said, I need to go think about something, did you ever actually go back and think about it? I mean, you thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had people go, well, I guess not. And go, well, you'll notice is that was an escape. 
And when you said that, I'm not going to think about it. You just got out of the burden of kind of doing it. And I'll tell them, like, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose to make it easier. And that's just kind of one example. But I do find a lot of times, sometimes it's easier to go blame it on an emotion or an anxiety than actually do the work that you kind of need to do in order to resolve whatever's underlying that. Now, that's from what I've seen. Have you seen any of that, or am I kind of out to lunch on this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, people we, – People with ADHD, I mean, we're pleasure seekers, and so um, as a result, we can get very avoidant of negative affect, and yet it is important to wonder and be curious about our emotions. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, uh, we can be feeling sad and realize, oh, this doesn't have to do with something in the moment, but maybe something is being triggered you know, from the past. Um, but a lot of times it could be that there's something in the moment that's not working and we need to pay attention. Like emotions mm-hmm. could be great data points to yes. motivate us into action um, in, in that way. And so, yeah, I mean, I sometimes have patients where it's clear that they're feeling something. I can It's palpable in the room and they'll say, no, well, yeah, they'll say something like, I'll think about it later and they don't and they just kind of want to compartmentalize it. And people with ADHD can be very good at compartmentalization. <laughs> yes, they so, can. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, if we think of ADHD as this regulation issues, it's you either, I will often see people who are overwhelmed and kind of drowning in emotions or they're too good at compartmentalizing the emotion. It's the in yes. between, it's just managing it that becomes sort of the difficulty. So that's where for some people uh, I'll have exercises of where they have to sit and like write in a journal um, of you know this event or something that really evoked some emotion. Or sometimes they might need music, let's say as an aid to kind of help connect you know to the feeling. You know because sometimes emotions don't just Come on quickly. Um, you almost like I remember having a patient who's like, I know that there's a lot of sadness. He was in, in a grief uh, experience with losing someone very close to him. And he's like, I know that there's this emotion, but I just can't, I don't know, connect to it. And so we developed, um, I'm a big music person as, as he was as well. And we have um, I had told him that I have playlists on Spotify. I have a get sad mix. I have a get pissed mix. I have a get happy mix. Like I have different playlists for just different emotions that when I just kind of want to lean into that, the music is very, it's just a very good aid, yep. you know, for me to sort of get me. And he did the same thing. And so we found really, really sad, dark songs. I like a lot. I like all kinds of music, but I really love like a lot of kind of like dark alternative music and um and so he would listen to it and he and he said it was so helpful just sort of it almost like popped the cork he said of some of these emotions and then he would write about them and we talked yes. about obviously you know how to engage with it in a very healthy way because you also want to provide tools because when those emotions come you want to make sure someone then isn't ill-equipped you know that they are equipped to sort of deal with them and he said it was so helpful. Um, sometimes you'll hear patients that I'll hear patients that couldn't connect to emotion, but then they saw some commercial. Uh, you know, it's like the like the old Hallmark commercials that just somehow just opened up the floodgates. You know, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be the work too. Um, is not only that the emotions are kind of overwhelming, but sometimes it's helping people just get to that you know place and and feel that emotion and not be afraid of it. 
and to know that, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing, that it doesn't have to be, oh, we're drowning with the emotion or we just can't put our feet in the water. It's like, no, 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 we can, we can go waist high into water without being drowning in it, but we're going to get wet too. Like we got to feel our feelings because they're, they're data that's very important. And so having them write a journal from in my world vernacular is you're getting them to actually sit down and think. Um, thinking's imperative. Right. If you can externalize it, write it down. Um, though they might do that if they do that. So what what I'm trying to communicate here is, in my experience, is to help people with this. It all starts with self awareness, and self awareness is like one of those things where you actually have to think about it and be be wild. I've done some presentations before where I talked to, about Dr. Barkley's model of executive function. Self awareness is one of them, and emotional self regulation is another. And to be self-aware, I talk about how you've kind of got to look at yourself in the mirror. You've got to kind of confront yourself. And if you think about it, that's somewhat threatening. And many people, where they, they resist. Mm-hmm. They, they don't really have it. So you kind of need to be able to regulate your emotions to be self-aware. <laughs> and you've got to be self-aware right. to kind of regulate your emotions. So I say there, there are two conflicting um, <clears throat> executive functions. But going back to the practical type stuff of what you're doing of, hey, we're trying to use music or journal to get these people to kind of connect, to think about it, to have that awareness so they actually can do something about it. And to me, of everything with ADHD, the attention side is a little bit easier, but on the emotional side, it's got to start from within. Nothing can do it for you. And the trick right. really is is getting people to engage with that because some people will say the words, but they're not really going through it, and other people resist, and some people really get in deep. And that's the hard part about managing, like from my perspective – um, thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all all of the above of, um, yeah, how do you connect? How do you recognize emotions? I mean, uh, sometimes people don't know what they're feeling. I mean, they might say, I'm just feeling bad. Um, and yep. so a lot of the work sometimes is just an emotional literacy, um, which DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy, does a really good job of doing and articulating like what does it feel like in our bodies when we're angry you know specifically you know what these things we take for granted you know it's almost like a lot of other things that come along with adhd or learning disabilities that people just kind of know how to study or they know how to read or like all of these things that but for neurodiverse individuals we might need a little more help kind of breaking that down um so sometimes that's the the work i start with is like what is anger versus sadness versus frustration versus and then yes how do we when we feel it what are tools that we can have to to manage it and deal with it and then engage with it to try to extract the useful data from it absolutely and sometimes that the emotions are stimulated and people kind of resist actually kind of going through that so that for time perspectives, I need to pull this together, but this is really difficult. I mean, we talked about this as being a reflex and stimulating for people with ADHD, and, and managing this can be very, very difficult. So as we come to a close, any last thoughts or nuggets for um, we call it a day? Yeah, I would say just for people to know, you know, first and foremost, that their emotions are valid and, and never to – uh, dismiss them as being, you know, nothing, um, that even if the emotion is not necessarily completely correlated with what's happening in the moment, that it usually there's always data to be extracted, you know, from it. Um, And not to shame oneself if you are more of an emotional person, because as many people with ADHD are, and that's just kind of how we're wired. And Um, And it's just, it's more knowing what to do and figuring out what to do with that feeling. 
I will say this. We look at emotions and tend to talk about the challenges of it. People with ADHD, when they're emotional on the other side, when they're motivated or excited about something, I've seen it before. They get, people just start dropping. I'm following that guy because so it, that, that passion and excitement, if channeled the right way, can actually be very, very beneficial. So there, there exactly. is that side of it. So with that, Dr. Roberto Alvario, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. Always a great time. Everybody, our secret word tonight is about. We hope you've enjoyed this. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.